Welcome to Winning the Inner Game. This is Colton Lindsay. Hey, real quick before you watch the video. Are you looking for the most effective and affordable real estate sales training and coaching on the planet? Well, go to fearlessagent.com and check it out today. Enjoy the video. Hi guys, it's Colton Lindsay here with Winning the Inner Game with another winning series interview. I'm super excited for you guys today. We've got an awesome agent out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I want to let you guys know, hey, this is going to be sponsored by Fearless Agent. You know I'm their number one fan. And also, if you're not using Mojo Sales Dialer, you definitely should be. How would you like to grow your business exponentially? What would it feel like to be able to sign 15 listing contracts a week, or I'm sorry, a month, or even better? What if you had a minimum commission that you charge because your, your listings were in a smaller price point? Well, today you're going to hear a little bit about that. I'm your host, Colton Lindsay, with the Winning Series Interviews. Check out my website at Winning the Inner Game. Make sure to subscribe to my email list. Also, for you guys that have been asking for a podcast, it is now on iTunes and it will be on Stitcher soon. I want to say thanks for watching the show. It's because of you guys. We're able to do these interviews and hook up with some really powerful agents and learn what's going on across the country in different marketplaces. So congratulations for, for that. So I want to introduce you to an awesome agent today, Jason. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? And just so you guys know, this guy is averaging 15 signed listing contracts per month right now and averaging 200 contracts per week. So, Jason, tell us your name, where you're from, and how people can get in contact with you. Oh, man. Uh, my name's Jason Morris. I'm here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, so, real estate pretty much the area is called the Grand Strand. Um, get in touch with me. Uh, actually, my website, jasonmorrishomes.com, is probably the easiest way and has my phone number and everything on there. Um, but yes, uh, when you first said I was getting 15 a week, I was going, oh man, that's, uh, that's tough. But uh, typically, um, I've been getting around 15 a month. And, um, you know, some months a little more, some a little less. But I've been averaging about 15 a month for a while now. Uh, I went through a lot of changes in the business. I, I was telling you, I've been in the business about 12 years. When I when I first started, I was a Mike Ferry. Um, I got into Mike Ferry and had a Mike Ferry coach and all that stuff. And um, what I quickly learned in our market about Mike Ferry was that, uh, man, a lot of agents are coached by Mike Ferry. And here, there was, man, there was so many agents being coached by him that I felt like when I'd call a for sale ball owner expired, Sometimes they would know the Mike Ferry scripts better than I would. So <laughs> I went through uh, went through several different coaches and went back and forth with Mike Ferry and stuff several times. And my business actually changed a few years ago. I was um, I was very buyer heavy. Uh, market was starting to pick up a little bit in our when, area. When, when was this that you were buyer heavy? This was like 2008, 2009. Um, I started working on websites quite a bit. Built a okay. tremendous internet presence and um, and kind of got away from making calls and getting listings like we should be doing. And um, probably about three, four years ago, I just got burnout with buyers agents. I got burnout with um, I was generating about thirty to forty buyer leads a day in the Myrtle Beach wow. market, and it was just um, if I wasn't on the phone with a buyer or dealing with a buyers agent, I was trying to manage. I was writing content for a website and I tried to figure out Google. So it was, um, it was like a 24 hour a day job. And I guess it's been about three years ago, I got really burnt out on it. I started really going back to just the basic, um, basic stuff, you know, getting out there prospecting. I really dumbed down a lot of my systems and made things a lot easier than what I was doing. And, um, and, uh, really kind of, I, I don't have any buyer's agents right now. I was actually, I'm actually in the process of looking for one, but um, are looking for one that's dedicated to me and my business. But um, yeah, so uh, really, so, I just let's kind of back up a little bit. What were you doing before you got into real estate, and what what year did you first get into real estate? Um, I first got licensed in 2001, 2002. I didn't start full time until about 2003, 2004. Um, I was in college before I started doing real estate. Awesome. Uh, yeah, what, what, I went, what were you studying in college? Uh, integrated marketing. Integrated marketing communications at Winthrop University. 
And what, so how old were you in, when you got into the real estate business, you got licensed? Uh, when I first got licensed, I was 21. Oh, wow. You, that was, I was 21 when I got into the business. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of customers that work with fearless agent, you know, I know Gary Zaldana, he's like 20 years old. And I mean, that's like the prime time to be getting in this business to get beat up early on. Wouldn't you agree with that? Oh yeah, man. I mean, yeah, you learn so much and you learn, uh, you grow a thick skin, uh, quickly. But yeah, it's kind of, um, yeah, I started, I had a lot of family that were in the real estate construction related businesses, development business. And, um, I graduated college. I never got a job. I just started selling real estate. So you got straight into real estate and, uh, what was the first thing you did once you, you got into it and you went full time? Uh, first thing I did when I went full time was, I um, was, I, I built a website and back then and at that time, it wasn't like it is now. Websites were expensive or you had to figure it out yourself. There wasn't anything like WordPress that made things easy. So I started building a website and looking for buyer leads and just and pretty much just kind of beating the bushes and knocking on doors. So first year in real estate, how many how many transactions did you do? Man, my, um, my very first year, well, very first full year, oh, I think yes. I did about – I ended up doing about 35, 40 transactions, I think. And what would you say was the number one contributor contributor to do 35, 40 deals that first year? It was, um, it was really learning how to prospect, learning how to prospect, learning how to uh, talk to expired listings and for sale by owners. And I mean, uh, back then I looked like I was 12 too, so it was a little <laughs> – a bit more challenging for me. <laughs> They're like, you still live in your parents' basement, parents basement Jason. Yeah. yeah, pretty, pretty much, man. I, I didn't even when I first started, I had a cell phone, and for me to make a call, I'd have to plug it in because I never used it; it was always dead. <laughs> <laughs> People needed me; they had to call me at the office. And, um, but yeah, when I started prospecting, that was the big turning point for me. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I've only been in the business 10 years and uh, got in in 2005. And just to see the technology change in the last decade, I mean, back then I, I barely had a cell phone that I couldn't even save contacts in it, I don't think, if I remember correctly. Maybe I could and I played Snake on it. That's probably what phone I had. <laughs> and then uh, we faxed stuff. Remember fax machines? Like those were really, really common. And uh, Yeah, you never emailed anything. I had, the, I had the cheap fax machine at home with a roll of ink. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, yeah, nobody emailed contracts, DocuSign and stuff like that, dot loop. That stuff didn't exist back then. Um, I mean, Boomtown was still, uh, Boomtown was seven or eight years away probably. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. that was a whole other world. So first year, 35 to, to 40 transactions. What's the first thing, the number one thing you learn after getting through that first full year in the business? Um. Real estate sucks. <laughs> it sucks sometimes. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's not a uh, it's not a friendly business. It's um, you know, you have to plan, you have to set goals and write them down, and you have to have a daily. You have to treat, treat it like a job. You have to have a daily to do list and daily action plan. So an ideal schedule. When you say it sucks, is that just because because you didn't have that, or is it just because of some of the crap that comes along with being an agent? Oh, man, well, you know, you didn't know that. That I didn't know back then that you drive a buyer around for three days and then you realize they're not qualified at all. <laughs> They've got a 500 credit score. Um, I didn't realize sometimes that uh, for sale by owners, you know, they don't technically want you to sell their house for them sometimes. So I had a I had a learning curve, you know, for sure. I mean, it um. It really, I mean, back then in our market, things started picking up, I guess, in 2005. The market started really just taking off. But once, um, and then basically for a couple of years, I think we were more or less order takers than we were real estate agent salespeople. Yeah, I mean, for that time frame, I didn't know what I was doing. And it seems like if you could just get in front of deals, if you could just slap yourself on a contract, you were going to have it. I mean, Shoot, I remember people buying houses in five and six with like a 550 credit score stated, stated. I mean, it's like, what the freak was going on? And I had no clue. I just thought that was normal. I thought everyone yeah. could do it, you know? Yeah, man. It was, it was a great time. We should have saved our money. 
<laughs> I've got a a funny story because my first listing appointment ever, I was Spanish speaking, and I don't speak Spanish. I speak Portuguese, right? So I had an appointment, and I met with them. I said, "Hey, let's get it on the market for seventy five thousand dollars," and they told me they owe like one hundred and ten thousand on it. I'm like, "What do you mean you owe one hundred and ten thousand? I did not even know there were mortgages on houses back then. Can you believe that? Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, that's, that's crazy. crazy. That's, that was my first listing experience. Yeah. So moving forward, I, I want to talk to what, what took you from going from 35 to 40 deals a year to, to 200. And, and what was the time frame that that happened? Because it didn't happen overnight, I imagine, right? No, it didn't. Um, the big thing for me was when I started really religiously prospecting, when I, when I got that when I, I guess I got built the mindset to say, hey, between this time and this time, I'm going to make calls and these are the people I'm going to call. Because before I would just, you know, I knew I need to call expires. I knew I need to call for sale by owners. I knew that, you know, I need to talk to people, but I would just kind of go, hey, I'll get to it when I get to it today. So I was busy just doing busy work a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So once I started going, okay, I'm going to start making calls at eight o'clock in the morning and I'm going to call till 10 or I'm going to call till 11 uninterrupted. That's when my whole business changed. Um, so what do you tell Tell us about that uninterrupted. What does that look like? So, so before when you were interrupted, cause you knew you had to make calls to, and back then Facebook did not exist. Text message was very limited, right? What were, yeah. what, what, how was the, the, the non-focus to the focus? What did it look like from the beginning um, to the change? Non-focus, I mean, you know, you get to the office and if an attorney called you or a buyer called you, you ran out the door and did whatever they wanted. And, you know, everything seemed like such an emergency. Um, then I learned that there's really no emergencies in real estate. And if you if you have one, I'm really not the person you need to call. But um, the um, once I got focused and once I started – the first thing I did was I changed my voicemail and my voicemail still says this today. It just says, Hey, this is Jason Morris with uh, better homes and gardens. Um, I'll be in appointments today until 11 AM. If you reach this message and it says that you can text me or email me back. I truly don't respond to text, but until after 11, unless it is truly an emergency or from specific people within my office. But, um, once I started saying, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to prospect until 11 a.m." and for me, um, I've used Mojo Dial and I've used a lot of stuff, but I like to set a number of contacts and a number of dials, and I like to track those numbers. And um, once I started saying, "Hey, I'm going to make X number of calls a day, and I'm going to make it within this time frame," it um, really changed the way I done business. I mean. Uh, I was using two two phones at a time, you know, dialing on one uh, while I'm, while I'm wait, letting the other one ring. So um, that way I can get through my calls quicker. But so so I, I want to hold you. I want to hold you right there, right? So uh, you made some very powerful points. Number one is that voice message. What is the that's so powerful? And if you guys aren't doing it, freaking get that on your voicemail immediately. But but what does that do? What is what expectation have you noticed that that sets for the customers or people calling you? Oh yeah, they don't call you like we've all had those clients that call you ten times in a row and they're expecting you to answer eventually. Those clients won't call you ten times in a row. They might go ahead and send you an email, but they're not expecting you to contact them back until after eleven o'clock. And once once you have that control over that time, then I mean, literally your whole life changes. Not just your business, your life does. Oh yeah, I mean, it sets the expectation of. Hey, yes, you can expect to call back from me. You got it. You've got to put on your calendar. You're going to call them back and, and return those phone calls, but it will minimalize the the calls that you do get. And a lot of people have been on my case about this for years. And, and by people, I mean real estate agents, right? I actually never answer my phone. I mean, it's very, very rare that I will answer my phone unless I I, I like maybe recognize it. And a lot of time, I just have it go straight to voicemail because you only have so much focus. Right, Jason. And if, if you're focused on prospecting, if you're focused on creating opportunity, and, and part of that's divided to reaction mode, I mean, yeah. it smashes you. Are, yeah. are you are you in? What are some different distractions that today that are maybe popping up? Because it's changed oh, from then. It's not. I mean, there's so many more ways to communicate. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, um, 
I get Facebook messages from the most random people. You went to high school with them and hadn't talked to them in 10 years. You got, you know, you got emails from people. You got, um, everybody texts nowadays. I mean, that's a big, that's one of the biggest things I've noticed in the business. 10 years ago, nobody texts. Today, I've done entire transactions and never talked to the other agent on the phone, <laughs> done it all through text, and, uh, which is great. I really like that. Um, but uh, I, I have a lot of agents. That, let's, let's say that's great as a listing agent, right? Yes, as that a is listing not, agent. That fantastic. is not great as a buyer's agent, especially in a low inventory <laughs> market. Let's be clear on that. Yeah, that's right, for sure. It's only great for the listing agent. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I mean, once you're once you control that schedule, you control everything. So, so two points. Number one is you got committed to prospecting, yes. and number two is you mastered your schedule. And that's two of the things that we really pass with Fearless Agent is master your skills, master your schedule. I mean, you can oh, do yeah. that. Oh, it's incredible. That's that's awesome. So, two thousand, what were two thousand fifteen? What what were your what did your numbers look like in 2014? Um, 2000, 2013, 14, I, I didn't really do as many transactions as what I, I'm doing in two thousand fifteen. I was really I'd done a lot of buyer stuff, I had a lot of life changes. I'd really slowed down a lot in 2013, 2014. Um just uh just personal issues it, it made it hard to really go and prospect every day and deal with just the, the, I guess the stresses and stuff with the business. So, so um, my, so, so was it a little bit of mindset, your, your, your attention, your energy was drawn somewhere else? Oh yeah. I had several deaths in my family. I was going through a divorce. Um, and when you're doing that, you, you have those distractions, man, it is definitely mindset. It's mindset. It's, um, you know, you're, you're just thinking about other things when you're prospecting, and you feel like other things are more important. So um, really last year, I probably done about 30, 35 deals. This year, I probably close around 80. So and, you're uh, at uh, August or we're September 4th and you're at about 80 closed transactions. Well, I, I should do about 80 total for the oh, year. Oh, 80 for the year. Okay. Yeah. What, what are you year to date? Uh, year to date, man. Honestly, I don't know. I think I'm around, I think I'm around uh, 52, 54 transactions somewhere in there. That's awesome. So I want to pause. If for you guys that are watching live on the Google Hangout, I have opened up the question bar. Start putting some questions in now. Things are popping up. Jason's talking about, and this is probably one of my favorite uh, interviews because it is to the basics, prospect, schedule, mindset, right? So start popping up some questions on there, guys. We'll get to that here in a little bit. So 2015. What changed? What what did you get more in the game, or what was the difference here? Um, yeah, that's really what I did at the end of 2014. I said, you know what, I'm, I I want to do more. Um, you know, those little problems and issues that I was having in life and stuff were were gone, and they you know kind of been dealt with. And so this year, I kind of I said, hey, you know, I want to do. I'd like to do 70, 75 transactions. So um, I sat down and made myself a schedule. I started work working on and updating my pre-appointment package. I started just updating everything just to make sure everything was sharp. My whole system was. And um, I got really, really focused on prospecting again and being extremely prepared for my appointments. So, so what did you have to do to make that change uh, to, to get that laser focus? Um, really, it was just my schedule was the biggest thing. My schedule was just the prospecting schedule. So you got clear on what, what you were going to do. You got clear on your intentions. Right. How, how, what are you doing to get, how are you getting clear on the intention? Like I, a lot of people talk about, oh yeah, I, I got clear. I got some clarity. Give us some, some tools, some, some tasks that you can do to, to, to actually get clarity. What are you doing? Um, you know, for me, I like to read. You know, I'm a big reader and I feel like, you know, when you read about other people and people have been successful and um, that really helps me a lot. But um, you set goals and you actually write those goals down. Um, you know, you uh, for me, I mean, uh, I like to reward myself. Um, I feel like, you know, not only do you have the goal, but you have the reward. So it's um, kind of reinforces everything and reinforces the behavior. 
So you're writing it down. And so, for example, you, you came up the first year. I'm going to hit 75 units. There's obviously a reward at the end of that for you, I'd imagine. Have you set, have you set a goal for you? What, what do you get if you hit that oh, man. unit? Um, man, well, I'm, I'm really kind of uh, I'm kind of ahead on some things like income <laughs> that, I, that I wanted for this year. So uh, I've been looking at cars this week. So I've been looking at cars. Um, I think I want a new car. I think that's going to be what the thing is. I mean, we went on several, several great trips and stuff this year, and have some other stuff planned at the beginning of the year. And um, yeah, so that's what do you got on what, you, what do you got on the lineup for a new car? What are you eyeballing? I was looking at BMWs. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've had some nice cars before, and I had a Cadillac before, and I've been thinking of BMW. Yeah. I've never had one, and I I like the way they look, Dalton. Awesome. See, and that's what's so beautiful about this business and, and life in general is there are infinite possibilities. There's no rhyme or reason. It's like, okay, what what gets you excited? What 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 gets you passionate and just, you know, full of energy to go go to work? And so if you can write those goals down, once you write them down, what what do you do with them at that point? You've written them down. What happens? You review them. You review them and you track everything you're doing. You, know, you track how many listings you take every week. So yeah. So you're, how are you tracking your numbers, your you know, listings taken? You, I know you mentioned your, con, your contacts or dials. How are you tracking that stuff? Well, what, what I'm doing, um, because I, I manually dial, I'm not using Mojo Dialer, because a lot of the stuff I'm, I'm calling is um, for sale by owners and older expireds. But I actually use a tracking sheet, and then I transfer it to an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. So, so, um, so yeah, when I'm making calls, usually I – I don't um, I don't have my computer on in front of me most of the time. If I do, it's only pulled up our MLS, so I can just look up something real quick while I'm on the phone with people. Okay. But I try to limit my computer usage because you know, next thing you know, you're on Facebook or you're on Pinterest, and you, you know, you lost 30 minutes on something. You know, watching watching a dog dance video. You know. Yeah, you're on YouTube. <laughs> next thing you know, you learn about how uh, deck uh, how ducks mating season works, right? It's like what <laughs> yeah, the? Heck? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can waste. You know, before you know it, your whole morning's gone. So I like the uh, just pen and paper tracking system, just because it limits your computer usage. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And want I just put a, a a note in there, guys. Tracking for me is one of the things that really took me from a fifty thousand dollar year business to two hundred k plus year business, you know, and, and onwards to the four hundred k year business. If you guys are interested, you've seen some of my videos. I, I now have a tracking sheet that I offer uh, along with AJ Midas. So if you guys want that, you're interested in that, send me an email at Colton at winningtheinnergame.com. Uh, cost on that is $197 uh, one-time fee. You can use it forever. So awesome, man. I, I love everything that you're bringing to the table today. So books, I want to go back to that because that's to me, is the best part. You get up on your morning. What, what books are you reading right now and what, what um, books do you recommend? Man, uh, there, there's so many great ones. Um, you know, if you're looking for something real estate related, I, I like a lot of the older Donald Trump books. I know he's, he's, you know, he's been in the news for some reason a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, he has. Uh, you know, one of the books that I'm, I'm actually going through and I'm rereading right now is there's, uh, there's one that Lou Holtz wrote. And it's, um, it's about, I can't think of the name of it, but it's about his Notre Dame winning season. And it's from, uh, I believe, 1988. But the thing in it that's so amazing is um, Lou Holtz would be so prepared for a game that he'd actually write the speech he was going to give after the game. He'd write it before the game because he already knew what everybody's problems were going to be. <laughs> he, knew, uh, he knew what things they were going to be weak on, what things the other teams were going to be strong on. And just that preparedness that he had is just um, unbelievable. So I've been, I've been kind of rereading that and just um, – trying to figure out how to apply more of that to my life and my business and um, and just what I'm doing. You've kind of brought that up. It's kind of been a reoccurring theme for 2015 is, is pre preparation, right? Preparation, yeah. And I know that's one of the P's that we teach. So so why why do you think that is? What what does preparation do? Um, I mean, in our market at least, and I think it's like this in every market. I, I know I talked to William May a good bit about his his market and things he's doing. And um, I talked to a lot of other real estate agents, but um, what I noticed is a lot of agents who go on a listing appointment, 
they show up and they don't have anything. Um, or they have a presentation that's boring and it's an hour long. Um, I send a pre-appointment pre package. I send it the day before. Um, they get it through email. I ask them to look at it. I'll even call and follow up with them to make sure they received it. I'll go ahead and send the paperwork. I, I do a net sheet and show them exactly what they're going to put in their pocket at different sales intervals. Um, and when I show up, I'm, I'm prepared with knowledge about the actual comparables. Because I do a, uh, when, I'm pulling, when I'm pulling a CMA, I, I do it with the community, but then I do like a one and a two mile radius. So we truly see what their house is competing against because our market, and I think most of them in the country, they're moving up. So we're not really able to price on solds. Or if you're pricing on solds, you're pricing behind the market. If you're pricing based on the active available inventory um, and what their home's going to be competing with on the market today, is how you're going to get your client the most money, you're going to get the most commission, and their house is going to get sold the quickest. So um, I just try to make sure I have all that information when I show up because I, I really only like to go to people's house one time. I like to take the pictures, sign the paperwork, stick my sign out all at the same time. Makes and, it easier. Uh, how oh, much yeah. confidence? How much confidence does that give you going into the presentation, knowing you have all of that information? Oh man. Yeah, you're extremely confident. I mean, you're going to be able to answer all their questions. If the guy down the street sold for $150,000, you're going to be able to show it to them. Um, and typically when I leave a listing appointment, everybody feels good about where we've priced it. Um, the sellers had all their questions answered. I mean, everything is um, just, I don't really leave any holes. I, I joke and say, Tell people, you know, I like to think of myself as a doctor. You know, I go in, I have all the information right there for them. I have all the answers to their questions. And then I'm usually there 30 to 40 minutes at most. So with, with these people, the confidence that you're portraying, I mean, is there some unspoken language and energy that, that they can sense that, that says, hey, you know what, this guy, he, he's what's up. He knows what's going on. Is that, would you say that's part of it? Oh, oh for sure, man. I even, I even completely fill out the listing agreement before I get there. I have it highlighted everywhere they're going to initial and sign. I use a yellow highlighter. I mean, um, it's just uh, when I go through the paperwork with them, I mean, it's easy. You just get, hey, just initial and sign everywhere that's highlighted yellow. And but just um, one, one closing question that you ask when everything, when you get to the end, what do you say to have them put their, their, their ink on the paper? So are you ready for me to start working for you? That's a pretty straightforward question. <laughs> when you want me to start working for you. you know, I think a lot of agents miss how simple this is. Mine, I love is any questions? Great. Yeah. Here's the pen. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> let's do it. They uh, they might ask a question. I answer the question. Great. Anything else? Okay. Here's the pen. Right. Yeah. And and you gotta reach across. You gotta put the pen in their hand. And if you're having fun with them, sometimes I've done it. Hey, do me a favor. Hold the pen. Right. Okay. Let's just need a sign right here. And you know, you make a joke <laughs> of it too. People love it. So I, that's cool. I, I I love that. Going back to yeah. pricing because 2015, you're talking about we got to play the market off the actives, the inventory, right? You can't price it off yeah. the solds. And if you are, you're probably leaving money on the table. 2008, 2009, 2010, you couldn't do that. Could you, you had to, you probably had to be <laughs> mainly off of the solds and you probably had to be less than what the solds were. Right. Oh yeah. When the market was going down, it was, um, it was tough. I did a lot of short sales back then just because they were, uh, they were guaranteed transactions. You knew you were going to be able to price them right. You just had to do a little bit of extra paperwork. Um, and that's kind of how I treated them. I had a full-time negotiator at the time and, um, and I done, gosh, I probably listed one to two a week. Um, there were short sales back then. Um, it was tough to price property. I mean, you had to, uh, you had to really look at the souls. You had to really look at the comparable stuff. That's that's what's awesome about uh, Bob's pricing presentation. I remember when I first got into business, I I sucked, and still I'm still not the best at pricing property, to be <laughs> honest with you, right? But what's so awesome, you can mess it up and still get it right because we're gonna adjust it in two weeks anyways, automatically, yeah. right? So it that's makes, right. <laughs> makes it, and in this type of market, it's not as a big a concern. But if you're in a market like 09 and 10, which guys pay attention, we will not be in this market forever, and you cannot always outpace the market. So when that shifts, you've got to be able to be in place to make sure you're pricing them properly. I, I love that 
that whole fact on how you're doing that. We got a question that popped up. I think it's good on the topic. They asked to maybe see an example of your pre-list package. Jordan Epstein did. I don't know if that's possible, but maybe you can give us an idea what goes into that pre-list that you're you're sending out. Um, you know, it's it's definitely not not rocket science. People think I have a lot of secret stuff in there, but really, it's a it's a welcome letter. It's a little bio. I take my company as a whole and include them in there. Like, um, like uh, I'm at Better Homes and Gardens, so I include information about the circulation of the magazine, how many people, how many households receive it a month. I think it's one out of five households receive it a month. I include a lot of information about the company itself. Um, I include, I got several different graphics where I include where your property is going to be syndicated to, and I include a little information about social media. Then I have a list of items that I'm going to do for you. And it's, um, it's, uh, I'd be glad to share it, but I don't have it where I can share it with you today. Maybe I can send it to you, Colton, and, and you can share it with your list. Yeah. Um, my items of things that I, I do, and literally it's stuff like I'm going to put a lockbox on your house. I'm going to put a sign out front. I'm going to take pictures. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my list. That's and what mine says. <laughs> it's, it's such basic services that, um, you know, I get so many listings because of it because people say, hey, I talked to another agent and I'm not sure who I want to go with. And I say, oh, well, well you know, that's great. You're talking to other agents. Have they given you a marketing package? I've, I've already sent you a marketing package and I want to make sure you get one from them. That way you can compare apples to apples. And um, they just get real silent on the phone and they say, well, they haven't gave me one yet. And you say, well, you know what you need to do? You need to call and request the one because, you know, I really hope they're not just going to stick a sign out front and hope for the best for you. And, um, man, nine out of ten, I get the listing over the other agent because they don't have any type marketing package. They don't have anything to give their client, and they're not going to create one. And what's powerful about that list, because I use what's called the 17-point action plan, right? I put it in my pre-list packet. I show up in the house, and I don't even talk about it while I'm there. I never yeah. even bring it up the whole time. I go into my introduction. I go into my probing questions, and I don't even I, – I used to talk about what I didn't do. I don't even do yeah. that anymore. I just go in, and then next thing, go into pricing and get it signed. And um, been able to shave a lot of time off my, my, you know, my time in there. Plus, I actually keep myself from – from losing the something stupid, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. That's funny. I love that. Yeah, shoot that list over to me. I'd love to get out to everyone. <laughs> yeah, man. On there. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm the same way. I never go through the pre-listing appointment at a listing appointment. I mean, it's just um, I end up going through the contract and the net sheet and the comparables are the things that I talk about. And um, I, I know you, like you said, you had probing questions and you had an introduction. I do the same thing. I, um, I have a my appointment. I've rehearsed so much the way that I walk into rooms, the way that I greet them at the door, and introduce myself. Um, I'm so prepared. I ask the same questions. It doesn't matter if it's a fifty thousand dollar home or a four hundred fifty thousand dollar home, and um, it's it's fantastic when you're when you're that prepared and um, your confidence level skyrockets too after you do a few of them. Oh yeah. Well, and as your confidence level skyrockets, they feel that, right? They feel that energy. Not to mention, you think about a for sale by owner. Initial consultation or contact, boom, one contact. You can either pre-qualify them right on the phone or set a time later that day to, to qualify them. There could be a second contact. Next is you have the welcome or the confirmation email goes out, third contact. Then you have the pre-list packet, fourth contact. Day of, you call and confirm the appointment, fifth contact. And then when you meet with them, by the time you're meeting with them, you're already at five or six contacts. They start to feel like they know who you are, right? It's yeah. it's building this subconscious level of relationship with them. Let's let's go ahead and shoot switch gears because I want to talk about some things we were talking about before we started live, and that was your average price point, which I was really surprised to hear. Tell us what your average price point is. Yeah, our our price point. I was telling you, I did an um, inventory matching sheet for our market. It's uh, it was something I learned from a Mike Ferry coach that I had. A few years back and basically once you analyze your market you can figure out exactly where you are so I I think the last one I did was about a year ago but I figured out that seven about 76 percent of our market was under 175,000 
and like 50 something percent was about a hundred thousand or less. So a lot of my transactions are right around a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, a lot of them are between 80 and a hundred thousand. Um, so and 80 to 100,000, how do you how do you make money on those deals? Um, I charge a minimum commission. I mean, I, I do a lot of deals that are, um, gosh, I did one a few weeks ago that was, uh, I did a $10,000 deal, Colton. I did, um, it was a, a double wide mobile home on leased land. <laughs> Did you have to have a, a dealership license to sell that one? Uh, in South Carolina, you can do it with a real estate license. And, um, the guy told me what he wanted to put in his pocket when everything was said and done, and we figured it out backwards. Uh, I typically charge a $2,500 to $3,000 commission, a uh, minimum commission on the listing side plus 3%. In our market, if you don't offer 3% to the buyer side, it's, it's tough to get a lot of showings there. Sure. And um, anyway, I started doing that minimum commission. So this guy sold his house in, in two weeks, um, and he paid me – he actually paid me twenty five hundred dollars to sell his ten thousand dollar home, plus three percent. So I ended up paying twenty hundred bucks in commission. So, which, uh, which yeah. is important for these guys to understand. Don't worry about what they think about the commission. Worry about what they want to accomplish. He had a certain number. He had a certain goal in mind. Focus on what value you can create. And if you focus on the value you're creating. The money just naturally comes, man. Stop worrying about the freaking money. Start worrying about the value that you're creating. I remember one of my first listings was a sign call that came in, and this was when the market was hot in 2006, I think early 2006. And uh, or it was a, a uh, like a floor time call or something. And an agent didn't want to deal with it because it was only a $45,000 listing. And he gave it to me, and I didn't know what I was doing. I just was like, crap, that's not much money. I'm going to just charge him more. So I went over there, and I charged him 10% sold it in four days for a cash offer, right? So all of a sudden I make 4,500 bucks and uh, it was just, just cool to understand that, hey, I, I provide the value. I charge what I'm worth and you get prepared, you get your skill set on point, you get your schedule mastered and uh, your value goes up big time. That's oh, yeah. awesome. I mean, yeah, nobody complains about a minimum commission either. It, it's so, uh, so crazy. Actually, that was something I got from Bob. Oh Bob, yeah, awesome. I had a couple of calls with Bob and he told I was talking about our market and I told him where it was and he goes, well, why don't you charge a minimum? And it kind of hit me when I hung up the phone I'm going, why am I not charging a minimum? And so I started when doing was that, that same you, week. When did you start doing that? What what time of the year was, or when was that? Um, I started doing that, I think it was January or February of this year. How much extra money do you think that that's made you since oh, then? Man, I, I mean, I'm sure I've made probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars more this year just from from charging that minimum commission. So so what you're saying is in one coaching call, it's it made you an extra twenty to thirty thousand dollars this year. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it has. It's gonna keep making me money. I mean I, I sold one the other day, I sold it for forty seven thousand dollars. They paid me three thousand dollars on my side and uh, they paid the buyer's agent three percent. And uh, the only person that ever gets upset is the buyer's agent sometimes when they see the HUD. But, That's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So let's go ahead and talk about some mentors. Who's been major mentors or, or how important are mentors in your business? And, and give some maybe some yeah. feedback to agents on, on why that's important to have mentors. Um, you know, as long as you can see how somebody else or how somebody got to where they're at, you can probably copy that. And get to the same place, you know. Um, sometimes I like to think. I mean, none of the stuff I'm doing is original. It's all stuff I've copied from somebody or bits and pieces from here and there. When I, when I was a brand brand new agent, I, um, I went through. I picked up a realtor magazine that's laying in my office that the top 30 under 30 um, that year in it, and I really wasn't sure what to do. So I just went down through that list and I contacted every one of them. And man, surprisingly, a lot of them emailed me back and called me back and spent time on the phone with me. And um, I've done the same thing in our market. I, I just picked out people that were super successful. And uh, I said, you know what? Either um, either they're going to have me arrested for stalking them or these people are going to be my friends. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so and, your uh, environment, you got around yeah. people that were doing the business and the type of business you wanted to do. 
I did. I started networking with them. And the, 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 the great thing about today is like with Facebook and LinkedIn, man, it's so easy to connect with those people. Back then in 2003, 2004, I mean, I had to really work hard to find their phone number, number one, or find their email address. And um, now it's so easy. You know, I talk to people from all over the country all the time. And, um, and but finding those people and those mentors, I think, are, I think are a big key to success. Or they've been a key to my success and just seeing the way they do things and the way that they're, their business operates. So you're you're just all about following that that proven model. What what's working? Yeah. What are the results I want? How can I copy them? How can I duplicate them? I think that's really I get a lot of customers or coaching clients to get in and they say, "Hey Colton, I want to do what you do, which is awesome." You got to realize I didn't do it overnight, right? You got to start at the basics, the fundamentals and and build those up and add creativity as you go but if you get a solid foundation I mean that's that's powerful what about coaching what would you recommend for his agents is is, is coaching a good idea is it a bad idea what um, tell us your thoughts man, on that? I think coaching is great um, one of the things for me over the last 12 years is I would I would sign a coaching contract I'd finish it and I'd take a few months off and I mean even right now I'm kind of um I, I don't have a coaching contract with anybody right now but one thing that I notice is I'd plat I'd plateau or I would get bored or I'd get just unmotivated. So then I'd find a new coach and um, it really helped you go from like point A to point B really quickly and take your business to the next level. I mean, um, my, my last coach was a Mike Ferry coach. And when I was getting, uh, when I was getting back serious about the business and getting started, he was the guy that I needed that accountability. I mean, number one, you're, you're paying a guy to call you, every week and say, how many people did you call? How many listings did you take? How many, uh, you know, how many contracts did you get? And, um, and I mean, man, that's the biggest thing because, you know, you know, how we all are, if we're not looking at what it is and we don't have anybody asking about it, we just won't do it. Yeah. You've got to surround yourself with, with people like, I know every week I'm on a mastermind call, right? I know that I'm okay. going to talk with AJ Mida or Brian Casella, and, and we're going to go over, hey, what did we do this week? And I recommend that if, if you're not even in a coaching program, get a, a small accountability group. And that you're talking about your successes. You're talking about what, what you want to do differently, how you can improve. And uh, awesome, man. So, so you highly recommend coaching. I, I love that. Let's go ahead and um, anything else you want to throw out before I open it up to some questions? Man, I think that, um, I, you know, guys, should be a brand new agent, I, I definitely have a coach. I wish that I would have had one earlier um, just to help me get going, help me get set up, help me get my schedule together, um, you know, treat the business like, like it's a real job. And whatever kind of money you make, whether you want to make 50000 a year or 500000 a year, a lot of my thought process is what would I expect for somebody else to be doing for me? if I was paying them that much money awesome. and um, you know, but uh, I think that's about it, but I'm ready for some questions. So, and, and just to, to plug, if you guys are looking for an extremely affordable, high value coaching program, get involved with fearless agent, get into the fearless agent movement. I, I mean, I would not be in the business today. I would not be sharing with you guys today if it weren't what I learned through that system and that program. So, Hey, thanks for sharing. Now, uh, what? Uh, here's a question from Jer Jeremy Crit. What are three things that I should do my first week of real estate? Oh man, I think that um, number one, you need to find an office that's a franchise. Um, look for the biggest franchise in your market. I think that uh, I think a franchise offers value. I've been at, I've been both both sides of the fence there, non-franchise and franchise. I'd go with somebody that's recognizable nationally because, um, you know, it's the, I guess it's the same reason why we go to McDonald's rather than Joe's Hamburger Shack. We kind of know what to expect or at least think we know what to expect. That would be number one. Number two, I would look for, um, I would look for a coaching program to get into or some sort of accountability program. Um, I would also look for an office that's going to, that has agents doing the kind of business that you want to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of offices out there. The biggest agent in the office is doing two transactions a month. 
And, you know, that's not the best place to go and learn. You know, look for an office. I mean, I, I was at a big office when I started. And there was a guy that was doing $14, 15000000 million a year. And, man, if he was in the office and he told me he was going somewhere, I was, I was standing at the door going, hey, can I ride with you? You know, um, look for an office that has some of those big agents that you can kind of follow around. You can see them in the office. You can see what they're doing and ask questions to them. Because most people are generally pretty help, helpful. Awesome. Cool. So uh, also Eric Transu, hopefully I didn't mess your name up, Eric. I apologize if I did. He says he thinks the book of Lou Holtz, that Lou Holtz is spirit. Does that sound right? Uh, what was that? You broke the, up a little bit. The Fighting Spirit, the name of that That's it? that sound correct? Yeah, it's awesome. an old Lou Holtz book, but it's a good one. I'm going to put that on my list here, The Fighting Spirit. Dude, I am addicted to reading books. I just picked up this new book. I wonder where I said it. It's called uh, – where did I put it? I think it's called Dumbing Us Down. Have you ever heard of that book? <laughs> no, I hadn't read that one. So it's a book written by uh, a teacher in New York. He won New York State Teacher of the Year, and he literally just breaks down the public education system and how it's setting everyone up for failure and to keep a dumbed-down society. I just love that book from a teacher, right? Not that teachers in general – want to keep us dumb, but the system is set up against you. So education is, is just so powerful and important right now. Jeremy, if I had a follow-up question, what do you think about Keller Williams? Um, I was at, actually at Keller Williams before, I think, nationally. I think it's a great company. I think they offer a lot of training. Um, and uh, you know, they've got the whole sponsorship model, but uh, a lot of the stuff they offer is training. I would just look at the office that you're you're thinking about go in and meet with them and find an office that fits what with what your goals are so so Keller Williams the national level is a great company the model is awesome I totally believe that but what you're saying is make sure that 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 location you're at is following you know the the environment the culture that that the company has set forth is that what you're saying that's 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 what I really 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 important man your environment is so important because you become your surroundings right and We all know that Earl Nightingale said you become what you think about most of the time. You can also realize that what you thought about is what you've brought about, right? So your life right now is because of where you have been thinking. If you want to get to that next level, that next place in your life, whether it's in business or personal, you've got to be around that environment that allows that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and Colton, let me say too – I think that applies not just to Keller Williams, but all models, whether it's Century 21 or Caldwell Banker or Better Homes and Gardens. You know, the each office is individually owned, and they have each have their, their different atmosphere. You know, so so yeah, so just pick one that's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't want to be at a Keller Williams office where the hot top producers doing 10 deals a year and everyone's focusing on waiting for the phone to ring. Not to say that that happens at Keller Williams, but it could, right? Yeah, or or yeah. you don't want to be a, at an independent company where they send out, you know, $30,000 a month worth of mailers and they make like a 10% profit on their business, right? You want to be yeah, right. highly profitable and you want to create a duplicatable system and you want to have fun doing it. You got to enjoy what you're doing. Um, follow-up question from Jeremy as well as work at home or from the office? Um, I, I do both. I work from home some and I work from the office some, but I feel like my most productive times is when I have a dedicated place in an office to at least do my prospecting. You know, yeah. you want to you show up, you know, you can start making calls at 8 o'clock. You want to show up like 7.30, 7.45. That way you can get coffee and all that stuff. And having that same place that you're calling from every day, because I'll tell you from my, my own experience, when I switch up where I'm calling from, it affects my calls. It affects my calls. It affects my mindset. It affect, uh, even affects how comfortable I am delivering the same scripts I've been doing for years. Yeah. yeah. So, so th- th- just to add into that, because I used to work strictly at the office. Now, you know, obviously I'm make way more money than I did when I first started. I, I, I've got a bigger space at my home where I've got an awesome in-house office. So I think the message yeah. that, that Jason wants to paint is be in a place that allows you to perform at the highest level. And yeah. usually that is going to be an office where you can be in a space that you, you just get a feeling of, let's, let's go freaking make it happen. So Yeah, that's right. It can't be at your kitchen table. 
Yeah, no, yeah. with your with your three year old screaming in the background, you got to <laughs> shut that off, man. Yeah, you can't do that. William May said, dealing with so many transactions, what type of systems you use to keep everything on track? And I love the answer that you're about to give us because <laughs> it's nothing like you're gonna ever expect, guys. Um, you know, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. I've had assistants, I've had closing coordinators, and everything, and um. You know, some of the offices people are at, even my office, they, they'll do some closing coordinator activities. But for me, the best thing is to have a good team. Have an, uh, we're an attorney state, so I've got, I've got an attorney here that I use. Their paralegals are fantastic. I've been using them over and over for years. And, um, you know, they, they, handle all the, uh, they handle the termite inspection for me. They handle making sure the home inspection is done for me. Having um, that good attorney uh, attorney partner or business partner is fantastic. Having lenders that are competent that you can work with, that are return your calls, they process your files. I've got two or three different lenders I work with that that I highly, highly recommend. And man, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen. They follow up with me. Um, once you find those good partners to use and those good that good team, it's going to take a lot of those closing activities away from you because believe me when there's a problem people will call you I use Google Calendar I just plug everything into my Google Calendar I make sure everybody's got a copy of the contract and then as the listing agent I just wait um, I don't understand some of these agents that hold everybody's hand until <laughs> until you know the, the buyers turning the key on the house um, you have to let go and let everybody do their job and then free up your time tremendously. So, too. So when you're talking about a team, you're not talking a lot about like a team that Keller Williams talks about. You're talking about the escrow officer you work with, the attorneys you work with, the lender, your, your, your affiliates, the people that make yeah. the transaction happen. Lenders. Absolutely. And That's I right. recommend guys, this idea of giving two or three options to your clients is freaking retarded. Don't do it. Have a system of people that you know are going yeah. to treat that client as good or better than you do because it represents you, right? So. Oh yeah, the attorney's office that I use, they know exactly what to do with my files and how to handle them. The, the lenders that I recommend, I mean, you know, when you're not representing the buyer, you have no control over who they're gonna use. But um, even in a lot of my listings, I'll have an agent agent remarks you know, lender X can finance this property FHA or lender call this person for financing. And um, unbelievably, a lot of agents do that. And uh, they use the person you want them to use. It's kind of kind of interesting. But um, yeah, having that team of vendors and stuff, I mean, man, that frees up my time tremendously. Dude, I just got an idea that I'm going to try now. I have not been doing that on my listings. And I'm thinking, you know, what I remember when I was doing a lot of short sales, we always said must send a pre-approval letter over with X lender, right? What if I just did that on all of my listings? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You I know, there's that. even some. Uh, I'll tell you this: there's even some lenders. I don't have any marketing agreements set up with them, but um, I've had a couple of lenders actually offer me marketing money to uh, use them as my my um, official lender. Oh yeah, or preferred I lender. I have some. I have systems set up like that with the inspectors that I use, with the uh, the home warranty company that I use. I have a roofing company, and um, obviously my lender. Now, with RESPA violations uh, or RESPA rules, there are a lot of lenders that will violate violate that. So you got to get creative, and you got to make sure that you're doing within the guidelines. Don't don't abuse that, but definitely. And I don't think you need to start off with that too. I mean, you get to a point where it's it's an addition to your business. It's not a requirement to get going. Rather than getting money for from them, it's more important to have a lender that is going to be uh, competent to work with you. Closing deals, right? Yeah, making they're sure closing deals, deals and making sure right. you're getting you're getting paid when it sells. That's more important than getting any marketing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, Laura Parker asked. What is the benefit of being a listing agent versus a buyer agent? Um, gosh, uh, Laura works with me, so I'm surprised. <laughs> it's funny, she's the person that asked. But um, you can have 50 listings and all of them can be shown today. Uh, where if you had 50 buyers, there's no way you could show them all property this week. I mean, um, we were, uh, gosh, we were on a cruise a few months ago and I actually sold a, sold a condo while I was on a cruise ship. 
and um, basically paid for the paid for the whole trip. But it was because I was a listing agent. The place was still getting shown. You know, no matter what ha what's going on in my life, I'm on vacation, I'm just hanging out or whatever. My houses can still get shown. Where if it was a buyer, um, you know, it's hard to control your life. It's hard to control your schedule. It's hard to basically do everything. And they're time yeah. consuming. Absolutely. And there's ways when you get to a level. I mean, I, I use a showing agent. And but um, you know I definitely focus on the listings. The listings are what what can leverage your time. Listings leverage and leads. You can generate leads off of those. And really, leads today in today's world are so easy to freaking generate. But, but yeah, focus on those listings. One more question, and then I'm gonna we're gonna sign off. Cubicle office or pay for a whole private office when you're talking about office space. Um, I like the private office. I like to be able to shut the door and make calls. If you're in a cubicle office or a big office, you steady have people walking by. You have a person just on the other side of the wall that's making calls. And sometimes if you're in an office that's a heavy prospecting office, it can get kind of loud, even though you got those cubicle sound, soundproof walls or whatever they are. Um, I prefer the office where I can go in, I can shut the door, nobody bothers me. Um, and I can just go to work. Awesome. Yeah, it kills out those distractions as well. And plus, it actually raises your confidence. I know when I first started on the phones, I'm not like this now, but when I first started, if I knew someone might be listening or kind of watching over my shoulder, right? It was like it actually kind of like made me feel like, oh man, I hope I don't make a mistake, you know? So yeah, I I'm still like that, that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah you used office, to call them sure. by yourself, and next thing you know, you got somebody sitting beside you listening or in, in the same room, and man, it uh. You start watching what you say, or you don't say things with the confidence or the delivery that you normally do, and um, or use the tonality that you normally do with certain questions. And um, yeah, I like the private office for sure. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you being on. Oh, we got one more question. Uh, do you present for your home? I don't understand the question, William. May question for? Oh, for me. Do you pr be present for your home inspection and appraisal for listings, or do you have someone else do that? I never, ever go to an inspection or an appraisal and in fact in our marketplace if you're an appraiser or an inspector you're an affiliate with the board and you've got a key to get in there so it's just scheduled and they go take care of it um, and usually if it's a buyer side I just have our buyers meet with the inspector over there and this is why it's so important to have an inspector that you trust and that's solid on your team because we're going to be doing, you know, 35 deals or whatever, how many buyer deals we do together. We do pre-listing inspections too. So I do about 70 transactions just with that, that inspector. But it's important that I can trust that I don't need to be there and he can deliver the message in a way that, that gets across to what, where the state of the house is. Not, not, not tricking them, but doesn't freak them out sort of thing, right? So yeah, don't waste your time. How, if, if, if it's a low dollar hour activity, either pay someone to go do it or figure out how to, to leverage a team member to go out. So yeah. awesome. same thing I was telling you a second ago. Just let everybody do their job, you know? Yeah, let, get, get people that you can trust and let them do their job yeah, and do their it. job. Everyone's in this to, to create wins and that's what it's about. Anything you want to say before we, we sign off, Jason? Thank you so much for being on this interview. I, this was one of my favorite ones because it was just so basic, so fundamental. I think more agents need to hear this. So anything you yeah, want to follow up I with? I think so too. I think a lot of agents just miss those basic things and miss having that uh, foundation of prospecting and schedule and uh, you know just, just the super basics. But uh, I think that's it, man. I appreciate you having me. I'm a fan of yours and Bob's. and. Um, Follow, follow the message board on Facebook and everything. So I'm, I'm, I was excited about you having me here. Cool, man. Hey, I totally appreciate you coming on here. Also, guys, just some notes. Uh, this will soon be on iTunes on my podcast. You can go to iTunes now, and there's 10 uh, podcasts already that you can subscribe to and you can get all the new ones coming up. I know that a lot of you requested that because you love my awesome YouTube videos, but unfortunately, when you're driving down the car, it makes it difficult. So you guys have it. Soon it'll be on Stitcher as well. This uh, whole winning series interview is sponsored by Fearless Agent uh, Sales. And if you're not a part of the movement, if you want to get a complimentary coaching call with Bob, if you want to feel, you know, find out a little bit more about it, join us on free calls on Tuesday. 
We're also on September 14th. I'm doing, uh, it's called Mission Possible Sales Mastery. It's a free training, 45-minute teleseminar. Ask me how you guys can get registered for that. I'm super excited about that. And also Mojo Sales, uh, a partner I've been with since 2010 that has taken my business to a next level. You know, they've got some awesome things going on right now. I know Bob's working with them to get some, uh, some training videos going on Mojo. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't say enough about those guys. Thank you. Jason, we'll see you on Facebook. Can't wait to talk to you soon. See hey, everybody. Thanks, hey, everyone. Did you like this episode? Well, be sure to subscribe and share it with friends. If you want free content and world-class training on inner game, real estate, and turning the impossible into possible and the invisible into visible, well, visit me at winningtheinnergame.com and enter your name and email to the winner circle. We'll see you there.